the difference, I think it's important you know the difference between a believer and a disciple and a disciple and an apostle. And there definitely is a difference. And I think it'll help uh, understanding a few of these passages. We, we finished last week, we were reading a few of the uh, uh, verses. Uh, for example, in, and we'll deal with these three verses here for a while. Because a lot of people have questions about it. And you know, what, well, what's my cross? You know, and, and they, they go back to these same passages and have no idea what, what it's talking about. It said Matthew chapter 16, in verse number 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay? Then another passage like that is in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 23. And it says, and he said unto them all, not just few, but said the same thing to all of them. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then also in chapter 14 of the book of Luke, the other passage. And, what, uh, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Uh, these are very familiar verses, uh, but what do they mean? I've, I've heard people over and over say, well, you know, I, I got this, this bad hip. Well, that's my cross I'm going to have to bear. And they say, well, you know, I, I, I've talked to people, and they say, well, you know, I was born in poverty, and, and, and I was an abusive home, and you know, dad abused us or mom abused us or something, so that's just a cross I'm going to have to bear. I'm just going to be in that, uh, that lifestyle all the rest of my life and everything. They say, well, that's my cross. Uh, no, that's not your cross. I want you to look at the principles of cross-bearing or the principles of being a disciple. Because this, this entire thing, the, all these passages here, bearing my cross has to do with me being a disciple, okay? Not being a Christian. Now, it's, it has everything to do with me being a disciple. And I, I hear people preach out of this. I hear people quote these verses, and they twist them, and it's all messed up. Uh, so let's look at this a little bit this morning. I've got just a few principles of being a disciple, all right? So let's look at these. Now, I know that's small on there. Uh, we got back last night, and Shane was able to put it together, but uh, we'll try to enlarge the, <laughs> the print for next week, but you'll be able to follow along. Number one, cross-bearing is voluntary, okay? Uh, if I got a bad hip, how many of you volunteered for that? You know, uh, if, if my gallbladder is just giving me fits, that is not, not something you signed up for. That is involuntary. What we're talking about bearing a cross is voluntary. It is not forced or, accept, or uh, accepted as a something that is put upon you it is something that you accept 
you receive this. That's why he says, notice, if any man. It's a choice there. You don't have to. If any man will, or in one of the passages it says, if you be my disciple. It's your choice whether you are a disciple or not. Now, you're still a Christian. Doesn't change that, okay? But a disciple is different than just a normal uh, Christian. So first of all, cross-bearing is voluntary. If any man will, you make that choice. And that was in Matthew 16. The second one, cross-bearing, is continuous. Continuous. Uh, we, we find that out uh, there in, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. He says, if you take up your cross daily, it is a continuous thing. Cross-bearing is continuous. You, you do this on a daily basis. That's why, again, you see it's a choice. You don't have to do it daily, but you're supposed to do it daily. So it's a continuous uh, thing. So the principle of voluntary and then continuous and the number three, cross-bearing is absolutely necessary to discipleship. Absolutely necessary. Why? Because he says, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me can not be my disciple. It is absolutely necessary that we bear a cross. What is that cross? We are becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. This is something that is happening continuously. It is something that we are doing voluntarily. And it is absolutely necessary. Without it, you cannot. Without this cross, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay? Number four, cross-bearing is not pleasing to our natural self, to us. It is not pleasing. It's associated with self-denial. That's why he says, deny himself. It's a daily choice of denying our own self-desires and yielding to his desire. So see, that has nothing to do with the flesh as far as a physical problem or the society. You may have grown up in... In total poverty, you may have been one of the most abused people in the world. But if you choose to continually, daily, die to your self-desires and pick up this cross of discipleship, he said, that, that's what we're talking about, that daily choice, dying to self and our self-desires. Then number five, the fifth choice, is bearing, the cross-bearing is taken up for the sake of Christ. It had nothing to do with you and me. It's all for the sake of Christ. That's why he says, come after me, follow me. In every one of those verses, he says, you are to follow me. 
when these disciples, when, they, when Jesus said, follow me, they had a choice. Follow him or not follow him. And it was a continual thing. They were to do this every day. They were to follow him, not do what they wanted to do, but do what he, as the master, as the rabbi, was teaching them. And as you notice through the teaching, it was nothing that they thought was going to be taught. It was totally against whatever they thought the Romans, we're going to overthrow the Romans. We're going to get out from under this bondage. The Messiah is coming and he's going to be the great general and, and, and take us out from under this bondage. And Jesus comes and, and says, the meek will inherit the earth. He comes and says, turn the other cheek. Now that doesn't sound like a military leader, does it? And they're hearing things that they had, their, their conception was totally foreign. And that's why even in our churches, many times what the preacher preaches may just ruffle our feathers altogether. All why? Because it's foreign to our flesh and to our way of thinking. But because God said it, if we are going to be a disciple, we must pick that cross up. We must follow him. We must come after him. He is the focus in our life and all of this. It's not about physical problems or your status or your situation in life. I cannot change that by a choice. But I can choose to be a disciple. And when it's all about him, that's the important thing. Following, following him. So whatever else cross-bearing may mean, it implies that there is such a voluntary identification with the Lord Jesus Christ so that he's the one that receives the love. He's the one that receives the devotion, the time, the talent, the strength, all of these things. That's why he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind, thy strength, all that. What? He's got to be first place if we're going to be his disciples. Now, an apostle is different. An apostle is more than a disciple. The Galileans, they were deemed as low-class, rural, uneducated people. That sounds familiar from my neck of the woods. They were commoners. They were nobodies as far as the world standard. They were normal, everyday people. How many times people come up to me and said, you Baptists are different. You don't have clergy. You don't have reverends. You don't have a hierarchy. You don't dress backwards. You know, you, you don't join the ministerial associations and you don't follow orthodoxy. You're not ecumenical. I think we're following a pretty good leader. It's called the Bible and Jesus Christ. And that's why he says don't follow the politics. Don't follow religion. He says follow me. He said I'm going to change your life. Everything about it. 
All things become new. And so being an apostle is so much more. Being a disciple is strict and it's, it's, it's serious stuff. But being an apostle was so much more. And you say, why are you saying this? Because that's what our study is all about. Uh, apostles. And we're, all of this is just preliminaries before we actually get into the apostles. So you'll understand where they're coming from and why they are doing what they're doing and why some don't qualify to be apostles. He didn't choose a rabbi, not one. He didn't choose a scribe. He didn't choose a Pharisee. He didn't choose a Sadducee. He didn't choose a priest. Not one of the men that Jesus chose to be an apostle came from the religious establishment. I was looking on the internet this morning, looking at something that somebody posted, and I'm telling you, people were saying, this is why I'm not, not calling myself a Baptist anymore. This is why I don't do this. And, and I'm thinking, are you guys a bunch of idiots? You have no clue of what the scriptures are teaching. It all goes with what makes, feels good to them and, and where they get the least amount of resistance and think, look, Jesus, when you became an apostle, when he chose you to be an apostle, he chose you to resistance. He chose them. They were, they were supposedly, from what we understand, all but one was martyred. There was going to be problems. There's supposed to be problems in our life. He says, if, all, if we live godly, we'll all suffer persecution. So it's not, the Christian life is not like many people think. Oh, yes, you can be a believer. But he said it's a special qualification to become a disciple. But then he said there were special qualifications to be an apostle. Now, he says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, we covered that a few several weeks ago when we was in Hebrews. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us, what? By them that heard him. They personally had to hear Jesus Christ. They personally heard him speak. God, he says, also bearing them witness. God says, all right, here's another qualification. He's bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will, not according to man's will. You don't seek these things. God gave them the, these gifts. And they were to use them as proof that they were an apostle. These signs and wonders and miracles and things like this was the proof or the substantiation of their claim. They said, yes, I'm an apostle. And this is what happens when God calls a man as an apostle. He does specific and special miracles. Okay? How, it's interesting. People think miracles were going on all the time. It had been 400 years since anybody had even seen a miracle or seen a prophet. 
400 years. Not one miracle. Now here comes Jesus. Turn that water into wine. Boom. Raise up from the dead. Boom. Feed 5,000. Boom. Do you think it was obvious who he was? That's why when John said, uh, are you the one or do we look for another? And what did he tell him? Who's raising the dead? Who's doing this? Who's doing this? He pointed back to the proofs of the very power of God. And God says, so that you know that these are true apostles. Anybody can say they're an apostle. He says, I'm going to give them the power to do miraculous things. And as they start doing these, they know it's the word of God that's coming through them. The word of God was coming through Paul and through Peter and through these different ones. God was continuing to give his word and substantiating that and his apostleships by these miracles. That's why that's one of the qualifications. We've just read two of the qualifications already and we haven't even got the qualifications. They're there, but we don't see them. We don't, we don't just normally pick them out, but that's what I'm trying to do is help you pick them out. Somebody said, well, that so-and-so apostle or apostle so-and-so is preaching in what you might call it church. You've seen the signs, you know, they're ever, apostle so-and-so is going to have this revival, healing revival or what kind of revival? Well, are they apostles? Are there apostles as those appointed in the Bible? Can I say I'm an apostle? And if I am, what are the qualifications to be an apostle? There were many that claimed to be apostles. That's why we read before, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false apostles, work, deceitful workers, transforming themselves. Jesus didn't transform them into apostles. They transformed themselves into apostles of Christ. Revelation 2, 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. God substantiates that and says, they, you're right, they are not. But he said, I found them liars. Now, the five qualifications we're going to go through five qualifications to be an apostle, okay? Now, qualifications limit for a purpose. That's what qualifications are. They're not just suggestions. They, they limit something for a specific purpose, okay? Super Bowl. Uh, not just any old high school team can go up there and play in the Super Bowl. There's qualifications for that. Uh, National Rodeo Finals. You have to win so much money. You have to have attended so much of many events. You had to do all of that. You, no, not just because I want to go ride a bull that I get to go to the National Rodeo Finals. You have to meet their qualifications. It used to be that Boy Scouts were Boy Scouts. I mean, duh. 
That just kind of gives you the qualification right there. Boy Scouts. There was a qualification. A PhD. You don't just go in there and say, okay, I want a PhD. <laughs> That's just not going to give you that. I found that out. If there are five qualifications, okay? Now, this is super simple stuff, but it's so simple people don't get it. If there are five qualifications to become an apostle, well, what if you just have three? Can you go in? What about four? No, qualifications are there for a particular reason. Uh, let, let's just say that the qualification for this particular job was you had to be 35 years old. Well, that let me out. Now, I can meet the other four, but I'm a little over 35. So I'm not going to be considered. Uh, if, if you're, the qualifications is a 35-year-old female. Well, guys, that leaves us out. Well, we meet all the others, but no, you don't qualify. If you don't qualify in one of the five categories, you do not qualify. Is that hard to figure out? Pretty simple, isn't it? Because we're going to get into some things that people really go to seed on because they, they, they want to change the qualifications. So this concept of, of qualifications, number one, they are, must be chosen by Jesus Christ himself. Okay? They must be chosen by Jesus Christ himself. When, when, when I selected men to, to, to work for me over in Africa... Uh, the men didn't come say, we want this guy to work for you. No, I chose them. Why? Because they were my workers. You don't have somebody else choosing people. So nobody else chose your wife or your husband. Thank God. <laughs> you choose them. This person or these people were appointed to a specific position. And Jesus Christ himself selected his own apostles. There's, there's no question in Matthew 10, 1 to 3, and Mark chapter 3, uh, verses 13 to 19, Jesus Christ chose, that's what it says, he chose his apostles. This was not a job where the, there were applicants or volunteers applied and uh, they didn't ask for nominations or somebody else's opinion or choice. This was a position of appointment by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus chose the 12 at one time and then I believe and I can, I'll show you here that Jesus also chose Paul as that 13th apostle. Look in Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says, Paul, an apostle. Notice he puts in parentheses here, he says, not of men, neither by man, 
but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So who chose Paul to be an apostle according to the word of God? Jesus. God did. People say, was Paul, was Paul an apostle? Well, what's it say? <laughs> you know, we try to, a lot of these theologians, what they'll try to do, they go in with a preconceived idea and they'll try to figure out a way to get around what it actually says so they can teach what they want it to say. Paul says, I am an apostle and I was, it was not, no man appointed me, Jesus Christ himself chose me. Okay? Now, that's important. You'll, you'll see it later on. In, in Acts chapter 9, it substantiates this a little bit further. In, in chapter 5, it says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He sends him on to Damascus. And he gets to Damascus. He sends uh, the, the disciple to go ahead and uh, uh, lay his hands on him and, and all of this. But you get down to verse number 15. It says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. He was called to be one of the Jesus' apostles. Speak, old beard, just wonder. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> You're getting ahead of me. But I'm setting this up to try to help you understand that these things are, are so important. Every one of them's got to be in place. Okay? And they were in place with Paul. The second qualification, not only do they have to be chosen by Jesus Christ himself, but secondly, they had to prove their apostleship by miracles. Okay? Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 4. It says, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and the gifts of the Holy Ghost according to to his own will. So this substantiated, the miracles substantiated their call as an apostle and that the word of God was coming through them. Why? Miracles were not done by everybody. They weren't done by everybody. They try to go back to, to Mark chapter 16 and claim those verses and everything. But the problem is, if that was true, if what they're interpreting that passage is true, then there is no need for a healer, a miracle healer, that they have big healing meetings and they come to the miracle healer. Because if they use that interpretation they do on, on Mark chapter 6, that means that all of them could heal. They wouldn't have to go this guy at all. They don't need him because they would, they believe so they can go ahead and heal. See, their own doctrine and their interpretations just destroy their own teaching. So don't let them get, get a hold of that. Their miracles were not done by everybody. And it became very obvious then that these were God's men and God's work. 
Listen to just a few passages here that refer to the apostles. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12. He says, truly, the signs of an apostle. Signs of who? The signs of an apostle, not the signs of a disciple, not the signs of a, uh, uh, just a person in the church. The signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and mighty wonders and mighty deeds. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That was signs of the apostles here. They're the ones that did these things. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul. Okay? Now there's a lot of, a lot of things we could go to. Let me just read a, a passage here in Mark 16, 14. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their what? Unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. They, would not, they wouldn't believe that Jesus had rose from the dead. That's going to be one of the qualifications to be an apostle. And so what he's, he's, he's really honing in on these guys, and he said, look, uh, of all of you, if, if you'll believe, these signs will follow you. If you'll believe in the risen Christ, if you'll get this saying down, and get a hold of it. He said, these miracles will follow you. And they did. They were signs of the apostles. So we could get into a lot of things there. Let's really quickly go on here. And the third qualification. He must have seen the risen Christ. That was a requirement. They had to have seen the risen Christ. Now... Who's the oldest person in this building? Anyway, have you seen the risen Christ? Well, she can't be an apostle. Anybody else see the risen Christ? You'd have to be pretty old to have seen the risen Christ. Amen. <laughs> uh, several thousand years old. Now, he says in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 22... He, he said, beginning from the baptism of John to the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness of his resurrection. That was a qualification. They had to have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, some of what Peter says is true. Some of what Peter says is Peter. has nothing to do with God, and we'll get into that probably next, next week because we'll get into uh, Matthias and all of that. But uh, in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, and when they were come in, they went up to the upper room and there abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, uh, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. They were all there. So they all qualified they had seen the risen Christ. Okay? Doesn't name anybody else. But it names these. Okay? 
1 Corinthians 15, 8. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. That was Paul. So Paul's doing miracles. Paul's seen the risen Christ. I have no doubt he'd heard him preach many times because he was brought up under the feet of Gamaliel right there at Jerusalem, and that's where Jesus' ministry was going on. And as the, these, and he may have been in the groups that went out there trying to trip him up, as many of the scribes and Pharisees and those religious leaders did. So no doubt he had, he had seen and heard of him as well. So, number four, they had to live during the earthly ministry of Christ. That's why he says, beginning from the baptism of John until the day was taken up from us. They had to live during the ministry of Jesus Christ. Oh, Joe Blow goes down here in so-and-so church and says, I'm apostle so-and-so, come listen to me. I'd go the other direction as fast as I could. Why? He don't know what he's doing. He don't know who he is. He don't know what his call is. He don't know what an apostle is. He doesn't know. If he doesn't know these things, I, I'm, I'm not going to have a whole lot of confidence in anything he says. Okay? If he can't discern that much, and he, he hadn't even studied out his calling... I don't want nothing to do with him. It's speculated that Paul was born just a few years before uh, or right around the time of Jesus. He would have been in his early 20s when Stephen was stoned and he held his, uh, uh, well, around maybe 27 when he was converted. Uh, the, the dates are really difficult to figure out uh, all of this, but uh, but we know he lived during that ministry of Jesus Christ. So then number five, and this is important. The fifth thing, the qualification of an apostle, you had to be the foundation of the church. That's why he says in Ephesians 2.20, and are built upon the foundation, talking about the church, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Well, Paul definitely was part of the foundation of the church. He wrote much of the New Testament and over and over proving himself to be an apostle and, and, and addressing their, their concerns that some people had probably that he wasn't. But so he definitely part of that foundation, but the foundation has been laid for over 2,000 years. So somebody coming up nowadays and saying, I'm apostle so-and-so, got a problem. Uh, he's building the wall. He's putting a brick in the wall. He's not building the foundation. Therefore, he is not an apostle. Many people claim these different things, and, and, and they have no idea that this Scripture has qualifications for them and that they don't even qualify at all now there were 12 tribes in israel not 13 12 apostles represented the new order in the new covenant the 12 apostles symbolized this judgment against those 12 tribes of israel 
that had corrupted the worship of the Old Testament system. God is pronouncing judgment upon them. They had totally, these tribes, all the tribes, they have totally gone away from the things of God. And so God chooses 12 apostles as almost a mock, as a rebuttal against these 12 tribes that were supposed to have the truth. It was obvious to all of the Jews because that's why they, they did not like these, these guys and tried to kill them. Jesus placed them in the place of the heads of the 12 tribes. They were proof that the kingdom Jesus was establishing was totally different than what their kingdom that they thought was coming. It was totally different. It was a spiritual kingdom, not a physical getting out from under uh, the, the, the thumb of Rome. It's interesting, the word apostle is the exact parallel in Aramaic to Shelia. This term Shelia, they were proof, or excuse me, the word Shelia, the language that Jesus spoke, it wasn't Hebrew, it was Aramaic. In the first century in the Jewish culture, the Shelia was the official representative of the Sanhedrin. The 70 that ruled. They were the official representative of the Sanhedrin the ruling council of Israel. The Shalia exercised full rights of the, of the Sanhedrin. So when Jesus sent his apostles out, the same word that is used for apostle is the word Shalia. This is his representatives from the ruling, the, the Sanhedrin. He's overshadowing them. And he gives them all his authority and ability to do the miracles and everything like that. So Shalia exercised the full rights of the Sanhedrin. He spoke for them. And when he spoke, he spoke with their authority. And that's why when these apostles went out, it wasn't like just a disciple. They had the authority to act. They had the authority to speak. And it was tremendous. Now, we quit at what time? About 10.30? <laughs> what about Matthias? Now, this is what I believe. If you disagree, that's all right. You can be wrong if you want to. No, there, there's people who disagree with me. But I think I can prove uh, what I say. Peter, now think with me, and we'll just kind of lay the foundation for this for next week. Peter was prone to jumping the gun, wasn't he? You see that over and over. He always opened his mouth, he rebuked the Lord. That was dumb. He led him in the wrong direction. Instead of doing what God said and waiting there, he said, we need to go fishing, and he took everybody fishing with him. He was a leader. But he led them in the wrong direction. He gives in to religious pressure. He wasn't good with pressure. Because when the Jews would come up to, to Antioch, uh, he'd back away from the Gentiles and go over and just eat with the Jews. 
But when the Jews left, then he'd go back and work with the Gentiles. And Paul had to confront him to his face and say, Peter, you're wrong. That's Peter in his early ministry. Later on, he learned some things. But this is in his early ministry. I believe when Peter does this, that he has stuck his foot in his mouth, he has jumped the gun, he has caved into pressure, and what he says here, God records all these things. He records Satan's conversation back in the garden. He records all of these, these things. doesn't mean it's right. And I think I'll be able to prove that to you. Uh, it said in Galatians 2.11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. That is Peter. Again, you may disagree with me, and that's fine, but I think in this case, Peter jumped the gun, he opened his mouth, he led these men in the wrong direction. I personally do not think Matthias was ever an apostle. And this is why that I will tell you next week. We will go through the qualifications and we will find out, does Matthias meet the qualifications? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love to us. I ask you to bless and for service to follow, Lord, that we might exalt you. Lord, thou art worthy to receive our praise and our glory, our honor. It's all because of you. Lord, bless us now as we continue to worship you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Lord bless you. Get around and shake hands with somebody that you don't know. And if you know them, just tell them you don't know them, I guess, I don't know. <laughs>